0: But in 2021, 20, people kept being ha- hammered with fear and kept getting sick. You know, 2021, also 2020. And it acted like there was no end. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the time of the 10 plagues in Egypt. That's what it reminded me of. It's just like, just when you think it's over, here comes another dose. You know, and the enemy just putting people back into fear, back into fear, back into fear. And uh, I don't know where you guys were at when as that was happening, but I know where I was at, and I wasn't. I wasn't real cool with how much of the church responded in fear. And uh, only in the land of Goshen was peace, safety and freedom to worship. And if you remember, Goshen is where the Hebrews lived, that part of Egypt. And only in Goshen were there no plagues going on. They were in a safe place because they were were in the shelter of the Most High. And uh, it's interesting because Goshen means drawing near. So so while much of the world was afraid to worship... Afraid to gather, afraid to move freely, in Goshen, people were drawing near. They were drawing near to God, and they were drawing near to each other. And it's been a time for God's people to sort out, really, who has all authority. Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and give to God what's God's. In Matthew 28, um, beginning in verse 16, says that 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I want, you to, I want you to highlight the end of verse 16. There was a mountain that Jesus had appointed for them. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus has been given all authority. Our government hasn't been given all authority. You know, the the agencies haven't been given all authority. The health department hasn't been given all authority. Right? Jesus has been given all authority. And what did he say? He said, go and make disciples. So above earthly governments, above mandates, above the antichrist spirit trying to tell churches they have to close. And if if you don't see that, then I'm... uh, I'm going to pray that the Lord give you new lenses to see through. Because there's an antichrist spirit that's been trying to shut down the church around the world. And we need to not bow to that spirit for one second. There's a mountain that we've been appointed to, and it's the mountain of the Lord's house. In Isaiah 2, verse 2, it says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, above all the other mountains of our, of our culture. The mountain of the Lord's house is established above that because Jesus has been given all authority. And it shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So now we have a choice. We can either cower in fear or we can fulfill our assignment. Amen? I'm not sure what your choice is, but I know what mine is. I know where making the wrong choice would end us up. And it's somewhere that I never want to go. John 4:34 Jesus said to them My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still 4 months and then comes the harvest? Behold I say to you Lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Listen, it's harvest time. We're, we're in a decade of harvest. The first part of the harvest is a harvest of souls into eternity. I don't, I don't know that I've ever had as many people call me or I call them and pray for them as I did in the past couple weeks and some of them were healed quickly there's, there's several of them that are fighting to have a will to live and it's time for God's people to get their swords out because we're in a battle and, and you, we need to understand that, that death is not the doorway to heaven that's not scriptural Jesus is the door and in several of those situations, we saw a spirit of death trying to take someone out prematurely. And I'm not going to come into agreement with that. We're going to rebuke that spirit. We're going to take authority and dominion over it. And we're going to declare that when God says your days are fulfilled, then it's okay for you to leave. Amen? Amen? And I'm not about extending somebody's days If their days are up, there is a time appointed for man to die, but I'm also not about glorifying the spirit of death in the body of Christ and allowing it to gain the victory when the Lord has given the victory to Jesus. In the midst of all of this, the fear of God is coming back to the church. I don't know about you, but I'm really glad because the church has become so politically correct and so irreverent and so flippant about the God that we serve that I have been praying for the fear of God to come back to the church. And when I read through the book of Acts, I see what caused the fear of God to come back to the church, and I believe we're on the brink of that. We're on the brink of God showing up in some miraculous ways that's going to cause the fear of God to come back into the hearts and lives of those who have treated him flippantly and have not been honoring to him. So this was a, this was a prophetic word that someone sent me last year. And it's out of Revelation 3. This is for you. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. I don't see any exceptions there, do you? I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it except the government. (laughs) Except the social agencies. Right? Except immigration. I've got this real simple theology. And that is that the word of God means exactly what it says. And if the Lord says that He's set before us an open door and no one can shut it, that he means exactly... And you might think that it's a little ridiculous to believe that God could shift things on a governmental level as we insist on going through the doors that he's opened for. It. But I'm not. I'm, I don't think that's silly at all. Because I believe the Lord will move heaven and earth to fulfill his word when we're being obedient to what he's mandated us for. I submit to the mandates of heaven. Amen? You know, and when the mandates of the earthly government are legal and in order, I submit to them. I don't have a problem submitting to government when it's doing its job. When government's trying to take what belongs to God and exercise dominion over that, I have a problem with that. Amen? Of course, I come from a tribe where that's how we were birthed. Back when the, the Anabaptist people were birthed in the early 1500s, we were willing to give our life for what we believed, and often we did. Many of our ancestors were died at the stake, were, were burned at the stake, were beheaded, were, were drowned There all kinds of different ways, and, and or languished in prison. And there's something in our DNA when we reconnect with who we really are that we understand that it's not okay for the government to take what belongs to God and start exercising that kind of control over us. Amen? I told her people last year if the government tries to shut us down that's fine we'll reorganize as a protest meeting. We have plenty of things to protest. We are Protestants after all. That's what we do. Amen? Amen? We're going to protest the works of the devil. We're going to protest tyrannical government. We're going to protest anyone trying to take the place of Jesus, telling us we have to do this, that, or the other that's in contradiction to what God has called us to do. Amen? In 2022, the reason I'm telling you this it's because I believe we're going to have opportunities to see God do some miraculous things as we step out in faith in 2022. Yeah. He's been building our faith for something. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking this morning when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, it says on the very day I believe it was 400 years on the very day God brought the it says the armies of Israel out of Egypt. Armies? Are you kidding me? Where did God create an army? They were a a bunch of ragtag slaves, right? The Lord saw an army. Where did he develop an army? Maybe it was during when all those plagues were going on in Egypt, and he saw the ones that rose in courage and refused to bow down and submit to the mandates of man that contradicted the mandates of God, that he began to identify his army. Amen? Amen? I have, you know, any of you that have stood for truth, stood for righteousness, stood for God's call, his hand on your life, you know, you've stepped out in faith, you've fought for what you believe, you know what, if you got knocked down, I'd take my hat off to you. If I had a hat on, I'd take it off to you. Even if you got knocked down, because you're going to get back up and you're going to go at it again. God's developing faith in us. And that doesn't mean that we're going to not make mistakes or that we're not going to fall on our face the first, second, third time around. But if we keep getting back up and going after what God says our assignment is, we're going to begin to see miracles happen that are going to bring the presence of God back to the people of God that's going to impact the community that we serve. No one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. That wasn't, that wasn't all. Uh, verse 9 says, Indeed, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they're Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I'll make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I've loved you. Boy, I'd like to comment on that. <laughs> Remember who Jesus said your enemies are going to be? He said, your enemies are going to be those of your own household. Well, surely not us. Well, maybe not, but maybe they are. It doesn't mean you have to hate them and you have to go come against them. But for all practical purposes, some of the people that work against our faith the most are our own family members. And we've got to be willing to take a stand there first. Verse 10 says, and this is part of the word again. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the, on the earth. Has the Lord kept us? Yes, he has. And he is, and he will. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. What does corona mean? Crown. It's a counterfeit crown. The enemy is trying to rob us of the crown that God gives us. Are we going to let him do it? Yeah. No way. This thing is under our feet. And we don't need to be in fear. I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the miraculous things that God does in 2022 as we refuse to give in to fear. I'm really looking forward because the Lord spoke to me last year and he said, This is going to be known as the special forces training camp. He's raising up warriors here, warriors of faith. That's why we've been pretty pretty uh, discriminatory about the kinds of speakers that we get in for our conferences. Because we want people who are full of faith, people who are full of courage, because that's what the body of Christ needs right now, is courage and faith. doesn't mean we have to be disrespectful and dishonoring. doesn't mean any of that. What it means is we cannot bow to Caesar when we have a mandate from the Lord. The Lord says, I've given you an open door. No one can close it. No one can shut a door that God has opened. No man, no demon, no earthly government. It's harvest time. Amen? Now, Matthew 5.14, Jesus says this. You are the light of the world. Well, you know, Jesus is the light of the world. Well, guess where he lives? He lives in you. You are the temple of the living God. The light of the world is in you. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, we kind of grew up in a culture where we like to kind of hide out, right? Safe places. Right? Communities where we're not surrounded by darkness. Right? I I remember years ago, uh, I live in, I live in uh, downtown Canton, very close to downtown Canton. And I had an Amish father and son out helping me on my house back when we were redoing it, back in 2005, I think. And uh, they are putting siding on the house, and the one son says, Yuri, what in the world do you want in this neighborhood? Why would you want to live here? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why aren't you using a flashlight while you're working? He said, That's the stupidest question I ever I ever heard. I said, Exactly. <laughs> because because you're you're in a bright light here. Why you don't need a flashlight here? Jesus said, We're the light of the world. Why would I want to live in a place where we don't need light? It's already full of light. Light was created for darkness. There's something, I'm not saying you have to live in the middle of the city. Every one of us needs to do what God's called us to do. What I'm saying is that we don't need to be afraid of darkness because light has always overcome darkness. Darkness has never overcome light. I've never yet seen a ray of darkness come into a lit room. (laughs) But I've often seen a ray of light going out into the darkness because light always overcomes darkness. The enemy wants to make us believe that darkness is more powerful. It's not. We carry the light of the world. We are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid, nor do they they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So we have two different words here. We have lamp and we have lampstand. And in the Greek, there are two different words. One is the lamp that actually contains the fire and the oil. And the other is the lampstand that the lamp sits on. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Searching all the inner depths of his heart. So we have a lamp inside of us that we have to maintain with the Lord's help, personally and corporately. It it applies to every one of us individually, and it applies to us as a corporate body. We have a lamp that we have the responsibility to maintain. God's not just going to invade our life and force us to accept a fresh batch of oil and to allow him to trim our wicks. That's something that we've got to take responsibility for. Your spirit is the lamp that must be filled with fresh oil and kept burning bright. You know, when I hear that God's pouring out his spirit somewhere, I'm not one of those who sits at home and says, Well, if the Lord wants to do something with me, he knows where I live. That's a very arrogant statement. I'm not going to apologize for making it, that's a very arrogant statement. My lamp is always hungry for fresh oil. My wick always needs continual trimming. God provides the lampstand to set the lamp on. The lampstand... If you look at it in the tabernacle and in the temple is a beaten work of pure gold. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit beating us together. How many of you felt like you've been beaten together here in the body of Christ? Because there's multiple cultures here that God's bringing together. And that's uncomfortable as I'll get out sometimes. Cuz there's people here from tribes that they come from different tribes than the one I come from and it's uncomfortable and we have conflicting values and all of that it's an opportunity for us to deal with stuff that if we stayed in our own comfortable lane, we wouldn't have an opportunity to deal with. I can't tell you how often recently people have encountered us and they're like, something different about you guys. We, we, we had it happen with prophetic people down at the Morningstar account. what, what is, We've never felt what we feel from you guys. It's a family thing that's different. We don't... We've not encountered this before. Well, you're going, to, you're going to have an opportunity to encounter that and to carry that as you allow God to deal with your heart and we yield to one another and we don't get into this place of accusation against each other, but we deal with the issues that rub us against each other and allow God to make out of two one new man. It's an amazing thing. And when that happens, when we can actually not just be a part of the body, but we can be a joint in the body and... and uh, Ephesians 4 talks about that the joint actually supplies the body, that every joint supplies. And it's pretty clear to me that we're not just called to be a part of the body. We're called to be a joint in the body where different parts come together. And there's a supply that flows when that happens. And I know that there's, there's an anointing that we're being invited to live into, to experience, to carry. When we understand that this is my brother, this is my sister, they come from a different culture that I come from, but you know what? The blood of Jesus has washed them clean, and I love them, and I'm willing to, rub, I'm willing to work through whatever the stuff is that we need to work through in order for us to really become one body and, and to experience the unity that comes to the body of Christ, and we do that. Revelation 2. Verse 1 To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and... what. Do the first works. What were the first works? Heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, visit those who are in prison. Freely you've received, freely give, right? Those are the first works. Right? Repent, therefore. And do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The same brother who sent me that prophetic word about the open door that no man can close. I saw posted the other day. Lampstands are being removed. Repent, repent, repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes I'll give to eat from the tree of life, which in the midst of the paradise of God. I say, well, that doesn't sound like a very inspirational New Year's message to me, right? I want us to start off on the right foot. Because if we get this, there's no limit to where God can take us in this next year. If we get this. Lamps are our responsibility to steward. They have to have wicks trimmed, which speaks of repentance. They have to have reservoirs filled with oil, which speaks of anointing. Most of you probably heard this, but I'll tell it again for those of you who didn't. Uh, Bill Lynch had told us that the Lord showed him that the wise virgins got their oil from the oil merchants and the oil merchants is the places where God is pouring out his spirit and they were not too proud to admit that they need oil that they don't have and they were willing to go and get what they didn't have yet. They were willing to go honor what God was doing someplace else. They were willing to, to come to a place of humility and say, I need something that I don't have. I need more than I have. I need a touch from God that I don't have. It takes humility that we need to repent for things in our lives to admit that and to admit that we need fresh oil or we will become complacent and lukewarm. So let's make a commitment in 2022 that we're going to get our focus off of what people around us need to repent of and we're going to focus on ourselves. Amen. First Corinthians 11:31 says, "If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged." And so many times it's so much easier to judge somebody else for their sin. And, and in the process, we're like the Pharisee. He says, "Oh, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like other people, especially this sinner over here." And he's the one who went home justified, not the Pharisee, because he couldn't see past his own hypocrisy. God's not judging you for what you do. He's judging you for the conditions of your heart. Amen? I feel like I need to give an altar call after all that. Amen? Let's stand. If you're here today and you need to repent of lukewarmness, you need to repent of being judgmental of other people and not judging yourselves, I'm going to ask you to have the courage to come to the altar.